We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Thanks, Bill. Uh, yeah, good morning, Centrepoint Church. It's exciting to meet with you in this new way. And um, we're going to look at God's word this morning on the subject of worry. Now, at this point in the service, normally you could put your hand up and someone in a yellow T-shirt would bring you a a Bible. But I'm afraid that's not going to work today. So um, you're going to have to do it yourself. But I would really encourage you to go and get yourself a Bible and to check the contents, the the context and the truth of what I'm saying. And uh, like Chris said, turn off your notifications, avoid distractions and... My invitation to you, actually, as we go through the Bible today, is maybe get a pen and paper. And there's some great verses we're going to be looking at. Spot maybe one Bible verse that's going to be really helpful to you in the coming week. And write it down on a piece of paper or a post-it note. And then you can pin it on your fridge or your bathroom mirror to remind you of God's truth over the coming week. So last Monday, uh, that seems a long time ago, doesn't it? I agreed with Chris that I would do today's talk on the title, Consider the Ravens, Trusting God in Troubled Times. Now, at that moment, I was feeling relatively calm and I decided that I'd like to explore Jesus' teaching with the church. I could sense quite a lot of unease around what was going on. But as far as I was, I could tell it was mainly kicking off in other countries. But then, of course, that evening, government advice changed so that all unnecessary social contact contact should stop and suddenly everything was getting more serious here in our own country and even in our own town we could tell this was going to have an impact on the lives of every one of us and then the next day I spent the morning going through the various advice reading through some of the projections um, working out what this meant in in my charity that I work for and having buried myself for half a day in all of this material i found myself getting quite worried i was concerned about my parents about our country many things so my decision to tackle jesus teaching on worry was rapidly finding a much more personal application to me and then on wednesday evening we discovered that the government had appointed us as teachers and that our house had become a school And so the week developed, as I'm sure you all know. And I'm sure many of you have other concerns. Will I have enough money to pay the bills? What about my work? What if I catch the virus? How bad will it be? What about my vulnerable friends and relatives? How am I going to cope with isolation for possibly months to come? We might be worried about many things right now. So before we go on, let's ask for God's peace amidst all of this. Father, as we look at your word, help us to set aside our worries and to hear from you this morning. Speak to our minds, speak to our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. Before we get into Jesus teaching on worry, I want to clarify one point. In today's passage, Jesus is talking about our everyday worries. So if you have some kind of anxiety disorder or maybe a phobia or obsessive compulsive disorder, something like that. I just want to clarify, he's not telling you that you're doing something wrong. 
when your anxiety disorder takes over. Of course, you may want to get some help from a counsellor or a medical professional in due course. And I was reminded of this this week when years ago I was a student and I, at university and I went to the cinema to watch a film called Outbreak. Now this film is about a pandemic that goes airborne and it's totally not a film I'd recommend to anyone at the moment. But I, after about 20 minutes, I found myself sweating and feeling faint. I had to leave the cinema screen and it had actually triggered a phobia of mine around needles and infections. And I ended up having a panic attack and the cinema staff had to call paramedics to help me. And so the reason I mention this is to make the point that this kind of overwhelming response is completely unchosen. It's quite different from the everyday worries that we're going to be looking at today. And with, with these day-to-day -day worries, I would say we have a part to play in whether we allow the worries of the world to infect us or not. So before we get into the passage, let's look briefly at a few false remedies for worry that we might observe around us. Now, one remedy might be to minimise the feelings of worry and just think we can put on a brave face. Hey, don't worry, be happy, people might say. But of course, this is trivialising strongly felt emotions. Emotions are, are symptoms of something deeper. We can't just swap a negative one for a positive one. Of course, if you could invent a happy pill, you'd be rich. Now, look at this guy. Is he happy? No, of course not, because he's smile and he goes skin deep. Secondly, instead of trying to swap the emotions, we might be tempted to try to bury difficult feelings. You know, the, the classic British stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on. And there's a, I've just got a special one there for the coronavirus. Um, now, there's something to be said, of course, for not wallowing in our worries and just getting on with our life. But denying our emotions is not healthy. And if, of course, if we do this routinely, it can actually lead to depression or even to physical health conditions. All right, third false remedy. If we're not supposed to minimize or deny our feelings, how about a bit of escapism? Well, of course, I'm sure we're all enjoying a bit of Netflix or a nice film in our long evenings at home at the moment. And it's okay to wind down, that's fine. But if we find ourselves turning to hours of TV or computer games or even drugs and alcohol to soothe our troubled feelings, that's not healthy. It doesn't resolve them, does it? Our troubles will just be back again in the morning or even keeping us awake at night. So I invite us to keep living in the real world and limit these escapism activities. Okay, final false remedy for worry might be to start hoarding, to make ourselves more secure. Have you been to a, a supermarket that looks like this recently? And I'm gonna let Jesus speak into this as we look at the context of today's passage. So if you've got a Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 12. I'm gonna be commenting as we go along. So it would be great if you could have that open in front of you to see the overall flow of the passage. And we're going to we're going to start reading in a second about from verse 22, where Jesus is teaching his disciples. But interestingly, these verses come straight after a story that I'm going to call 
the parable of the stockpiler. And that's a new name I've given to um, the verses before this that might be familiar to you. It's about a farmer who built bigger and bigger barns to store all his food. He was a stockpiler. But Jesus is very critical of this man who stores up food for himself. The farmer thinks it will give him security. But Jesus says, no, nothing on this earth can insulate us from the troubles of this life. True security comes from God, not from the abundance of our possessions. Anyway, what comes before our passage today is that story. And I'm not going to say anything more about stockpiling, OK? So let's read together. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. So Jesus is clear here in saying, do not worry. But you might ask, how can you tell someone not to worry? Surely it's just an emotion over which we have little choice. Well, it's a bit like temptation. So you can't stop anxious thoughts coming into your mind, but you can choose whether to let them take control of your energy and your focus, can't you? But what's wrong with worrying? I mean, in our cultures, worry can sometimes be seen as a virtue. If someone says, I was worried about you, that can be a way of saying, I care about you. And of course, it's good to feel and it's good to care. So what is he saying? Well, I think this is a helpful quote that I found in my study Bible. Worry is a form of pride because it involves taking concerns upon oneself instead of entrusting them to God. Believers can trust God because as their father, he cares for them. So worry is a form of pride because it says, I've got to deal with this problem. Even if I can't sort it out, I'm setting myself up as a savior. And of course, that's a sinful attitude. But in contrast, trusting in God instead of worrying is humble because it says, God is going to provide to me in the midst of this situation. So with this attitude, trusting in God, we let God be the savior, which of course is how it should be. Okay, let's carry on with the uh, next verses. So verse 24, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So I've entitled this talk today, Consider the Ravens, and that's a quote from these verses. But we have simple lessons to learn from God's creation. If you're worried at the moment, Jesus doesn't say, look to the government, look to celebrities, look at BBC News online, check your social media. No, he doesn't say that. He says, look out of the window and watch the birds. And I don't even think he meant that as a just an idea to think about in our heads. I can imagine when Jesus was saying these words, he was probably outside. And as he was, as he was saying, look at the birds, he was probably pointing and looking himself up into the sky. His disciples 
who are listening would have observed the birds and seen them getting on with their lives, collecting food, building nests, whatever birds uh, get up to. Now, my dad's a bird watcher and he finds it fascinating and restful to observe birds getting on with their lives, which is great. But Jesus isn't, isn't saying we should just all become bird watchers, but rather we can learn some deeper lessons through their simple lives. So let's take, it's our first application today, let's take Jesus' invitation literally to look at the birds of the air. Next time you're feeling worried, go to the window, go into your back garden. I hope that there are birds where you live and sit and watch them going about your business. Not fretting, just doing what birds do. And as we learn from the birds, we can ask God to give us untroubled, trusting, bird-like hearts that look to God to provide our every need. Moving on, verse 27. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. So in verse 29 here, Jesus says, do not worry about it. But he's not saying, start worrying about worrying too much. You know, God never asks us to do something without giving us all that we need to do it. Also notice, Jesus is not saying, don't worry, full stop. He's being specific. So in these verses, he gives us examples of not to worry about worldly things like clothes and food. And there's a parallel passage to this in Luke's in Matthew six, where Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus recognises that each day brings troubles. And it wouldn't be right, of course, to encounter these troubles with no emotional response. That would be inhuman, wouldn't it? It's OK to care about things and people. That's good. You know, Jesus wept. Jesus was in anguish before he died. But he says we're not to worry about what God has promised he will provide us. Don't worry about the things that you can't do anything about. Don't worry about tomorrow's troubles now concern yourself with the matters of today and trust God to provide for all your needs now in verse 30 he says the pagan world runs after these things and that was the case even in Jesus time worrying about day-to-day -day needs was normal even then but Jesus says don't feed your anxieties practically speaking let's us identify what what it is that's infecting us with fear and right now, that might be 24-7 news, it might be social media. So I just invite us to limit our exposure to that stuff. Of course, news and social media have a very helpful role at the moment. But if we're constantly checking them, isn't it likely to breed unease inside? Maybe you could just check the news once a day. 
that will probably give you all the information you need without overwhelming you with everything that's going on in far off places. Isn't it going to be much more helpful for us to spend our time perhaps popping a note through a neighbour's door to reassure them than it would be to, I don't know, be monitoring infection rates in South Korea? And likewise, social media can easily suck us down a rabbit hole into a world of time wasting and fear mongering. Often we don't even know whether the information that people's posting is accurate. So my invitation is give yourself a break from your phone, cut down your, your notifications. Um, you can even get apps to monitor and limit the time you spend on your devices. Now you might be thinking, well, it was all okay for Jesus. He was, you know, the spiritual superhero, probably as calm as a cucumber. But actually, we know from the Bible that Jesus was tested and tempted beyond any of us. Hebrews 4 tells us that we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. And yet he did not sin. So, yes, Jesus was a super savior. But as Spider-Man likes to say, with great power comes great responsibility. And what responsibility did Jesus have? Well, you know, merely the responsibility for saving the entire world. I can imagine he was tempted to worry from time to time. Let's look at the Garden of Gethsemane, the place where Jesus went before he was arrested and killed. Jesus knew what was coming to him. The anxiety was very real. But he didn't let it descend into pointless worrying. He, ex he responded to extreme anxiety with extreme trusting. Luke 22 says, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So the stronger the emotion that Jesus felt, the more earnestly he sought God. And that's our clue for the remedy to worry. Verse 31 says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. So here's our answer to worry, not to try and deny our feelings or avoid troubles, but rather to seek God first. Instead of running about worrying about food or health or money, we're called to seek God and then wonderfully, God will supply our needs anyway. As we fix our eyes on God, our focus shifts from the worries of this life to the character of the one who cares for his children and who promises to meet our daily needs. But what does it actually mean in practice to seek God? Well, firstly, Jesus has already pointed us to look to God's creation for some wisdom in this life. Look to the birds, look to the flowers, see how they depend on their creator. So let's humble ourselves and learn from some of these simple creatures. Secondly, God has revealed himself through the Bible. So whenever we're worried or even better at the start of the day, let's ground ourselves in the truth and the reassurance of the Bible. Over the last week, members of our church have been sharing a psalm with the whole church through Facebook Live. So if you can log on to Facebook each morning without being distracted, that's a great way for us as a church to look at God's word and pray together. And that brings us to our third action point. We can pray.
at any time and in any place. Despite the current crisis, God's careful listening to our prayers has not been cancelled. He's not been put in isolation. He's not overwhelmed by everything that's going on. Now, we love our NHS and the staff, don't we? And they're doing such a great job at the moment, but they are stretched to the limit. And we've rightly been told not to bother with them with small matters. But that's not the case with God. God is our ultimate carer. He is never overwhelmed and he never goes sick. He says in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I mean, imagine you could call 111 and immediately get through to the most experienced, the most qualified and the most caring doctor who listens to your every word. Well, that's like what it is with God. He's always listening, always caring and always giving you what you need to make you spiritually well. So let's pray through the day. Let's bring our troubles to our heavenly father. 1 Peter 5 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now look carefully at those words. It doesn't say God will come and pluck away all your anxieties while you do nothing. No, it says cast your anxieties. Have you ever seen a fisherman casting his net into the water? It takes effort and focus. It needs to go in the right direction. Likewise with prayer. We need to pray to God and we need to intentionally surrender our cares into his hands and let him deal with them. So Jesus doesn't tell us to suppress our worries. He calls us to displace them by reminding ourselves of God's care for his people. So what's the opposite of worrying? I'm just going to pause there, let you think about that question. What's the opposite of worrying? I would say the opposite of worrying isn't not worrying. That's just the absence of worrying. Let me give you a clue. The opposite of going down isn't staying still, it's going up. And the opposite of worry, I would suggest, is trusting God. But how do we trust God more in our lives? Well, I think it can be helpful to think of trust like a muscle. If you lift some weights, your muscles get stronger, not immediately, but over time, as long as you keep doing the exercises. And in a similar way, if you trust someone's promise and that person delivers on the promise, your trust grows, doesn't it, in his or her character and ability. The young child who allows her father to throw her up into the air builds her trust in him every time he catches her. So we can learn to trust God by opening ourselves more and more to his leading and by taking risks in our walk with him. And as we experience his goodness in our lives, our appetite for trusting him will grow. Let's look at the final verses in our passage today. Verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. 
Okay, so I said I wasn't going to mention stockpiling again, but hey, Jesus has brought it up. So let's mention it again. He says here, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, Jesus was speaking into a culture where there was no welfare, no freezers to cram full of food, no taps providing endless clean water. When he taught them to pray, give us our, today our daily bread, they really knew, didn't they, what that meant to look to God to provide their daily needs. But even in that context, he called people to give to others in greater need, not to hoard, but to be generous. What if our neighbour runs out of toilet paper over coming days? Will we give them one of our spares? So this week, let us find new meaning in those words. Give us today our daily bread. Give us the toilet roll that we need. These days that we live in are a wonderful opportunity to build childlike trust in God. But Jesus talks about a good form of stockpiling here as well. He says, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. Stockpile treasure in heaven, he says. Your treasure in heaven consists of your generous acts of love towards other people. When you give someone else a toilet roll, you reduce your stockpile in your cupboards, but you increase your eternal stockpile of treasure in heaven. And a well-recognized side effect of helping others is that it takes your mind off yourself and your troubles. If we can trust that God will meet our needs, we can relax about ourselves and reach out to a relative or a neighbor with a phone call or message or even a letter. <clears throat> so as I come towards the end of the talk today, I just want to say a few things into three particular situations. Firstly, if you're someone who doesn't yet trust in Jesus, now is the perfect time to put your trust in him. He cares for you and he's waiting for you to welcome him into your life. Jesus warned there is a judgment coming that is far scarier than the coronavirus. But if you face this judgment under the protection of Jesus, he says you will be completely safe. Jesus brings the ultimate vaccine to the ultimate disease. The disease is sin, that is the way we've all turned away from God in our lives. And the vaccine is to trust in Jesus. But we know with any vaccine, it's only effective, isn't it, if you actually take it. And it's the same with Jesus. We can know all about him, but it's only when we receive him as Lord and Saviour that he will save us from that great disease. So if you've never received him in, I invite you now to pray a short prayer with me. Jesus, I recognise that only you can save me from the consequences of my sin. I receive you today as my saviour. I also choose to follow you as Lord, which means I surrender control of my life to you, my plans, my money, my hopes, even my worries. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time with me today, then do please tell someone else. And I'm sure they'd love to encourage you. Second thing I want to say is, is particularly to those who are older or more vulnerable 
in this current crisis. I want to reassure you that God knows all about you and all your needs. Will you trust him to provide for everything? Let us rest in the knowledge that he is good and works even through these difficult times for the good of his people. And practically speaking, if you're part of Centrepoint Church, do please make sure that you're part of a life group. Our life group leaders are going to be making a particular effort to reach out and keep in touch with each member of their group over the coming weeks and months. And we plan to offer practical help as much as we can. <coughs> but we can best do this if you're part of a life group. It doesn't matter whether you can attend life group meetings. None of the groups are meeting in person at the moment anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. But one of the key ways that God shows his care to his people is through the church. And I would go as far to say that joining a life group is one of the ways in which you can show your commitment to God's people and therefore your trust in God's provision through his church. Finally, I want to say a few words to all you working parents with school-aged children. I wonder if you're dreading tomorrow morning. You may be still trying to work out the logistics of working at home. You may be feeling massively underprepared for your child's home education. It might be tempting to get up tomorrow morning and go straight into juggling all these responsibilities. But I wonder if Jesus is saying something like this to you today. My children, when you get up tomorrow morning, don't drive, don't dive straight into all the preparations for the day. Spend time with me. Read my word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Join with the church in the daily psalm and praying together. Start your day finding peace with God. And then you'll be ready to face the, the challenges of the day. So that's the that's the message today. As we finish, I, I want to pray. Uh, so let's 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 pray together. And then I'm going to hand back to Phil. Lord Jesus, thank you that you showed us in your life on earth how to cope with great troubles. You showed that it is possible to face uncertainty, insecurity and isolation. You recognised when you needed to withdraw from the pressures of the world and find refreshment and peace with your father in heaven. You showed us how to love others even when your life was threatened. Help us to follow you and to be inspired by your example. Holy Spirit, we thank you that all of us who follow Jesus have you dwelling inside us. And the Bible tells us that you bring fruit into our lives. Help us to love others and to act with kindness, goodness and gentleness to those around us. While the world is feeding us so much uncertainty, give us joy and the peace of God in our hearts. Help us not to be impulsive and selfish, but rather to be patient and self-controlled. Help us to keep in step with you and to listen to your voice rather than the panic of the world around us. Father God, we thank you that you are always in charge. Even when the world seems to be in chaos, you are in charge. Even when we are uncertain and afraid, you are in charge. Help us, Father, to trust you with all of our hearts and our minds at this time. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
please do come and visit us. Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.